This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money Boy. This is Black Millennial Money. This is the Black Millennial Money Show, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money, and spend your money on the finer things in life from a Black Millennial perspective. I'm your host, Joseph Wosu, and today I'm with an incredible guest. I, have, I only have incredible guests. We only have incredible guests on Black Millennial Money. His name is Timmy Dogu. You may have heard of him. He's a sales professional with 10 years of experience with the likes of L'Oreal. He was the man behind David O's engagement ring, or maybe one of the men behind David O's engagement ring. He is responsible for Olympic athlete Perry Shakes Drayton's wedding ring. And in a little under three years, he has sold £200,000 worth of diamond jewellery. We have an illustrious guest on the show. Mr. Timmy Dogu, how are you doing today? I am really, really well. Thank you for that uh, intro. I'm, I'm more than flattered. <laughs> we've got to keep the source yeah. levels high on the show and you've been maintaining. <laughs> we've got to let people know. We've got to let people know. Standards are set. Experts only. Let's go. 100%. 100%. So we always kick off the show the same way. We tell people how amazing you are. We tell people how wonderful you are. To qualify you as being on the show as someone they should be listening to. But now we really want to get below the surface, below the CV, below the sure. receipts and say, what are three things people should know about Timmy Dogu? And do I have wow. to call you Timmy Dogu the whole time or can I call you Timmy now? Are we friends? Are we cool? For today, I will allow you, Timmy. <laughs> I'll let you go with Timmy. Just okay. Timmy. Okay. Don't tell anyone. Though. Just Timmy. All right, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, first of all, if you want to get to know me, you, you definitely need to understand that I'm someone who uh, is a soldier, who's a survivor, who, as an Arsenal fan, has seen the highs and the lows. You know, my pain threshold is, is very, very strong, very high. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I grew up in Islington, just down the road from, from Arsenal Stadium, been going to watch them live for years and years. So, so yeah. Make of that what you will, but I'm sticking with them. So you're loyal, even in a bad relationship. I see you. Always loyal. <laughs> Black Always men don't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah, Arsenal fan. Um, I'm also happily married. I've been married for over five years now to my wife, Ife. Um, yeah, thank Black you. Love. She was actually my very first Diamonds client. So the, the first ring that I designed and created was, was for her. Um, and, and she still wears it now. So I'm guessing she likes it, which, which is always a nice thing. See relationship um, goals. You know, keep that <laughs> ring on. Keep it on. Um, and thirdly, uh, yeah, we, we love to travel. So I realized um, recently that I've actually traveled to over 30 countries, um, which, wow. which, felt, which felt a bit like, whoa, that's, that's quite a few. Um, yeah. And I think it just ticked over last summer. We went to Asia. And, and on that one trip, we managed to hit Hong Kong, Philippines, and Bali. Um, so I think that just pushed me over the 30. Uh, okay. but, but was, yeah, love traveling, love seeing the world. And correct me if I'm wrong, but your wife, sorry, the lovely Ife, she's an influencer, yes. right? Yeah, she does social media. She's a content creator. Um, and we have a, a YouTube channel together as well. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I would probably say I'm one of the original OG Instagram husbands. You know, 
<laughs> you say that you say that with a lot of pride, and I'm not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People think this is a joke. I'm the guy behind the camera, catching the angles, making sure the lighting is right, making sure you got the right background for the picture. It's 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 a serious piece of work. People, no, you can't underestimate the efforts that goes into being an Instagram husband. Honestly. So behind every Instagram wife is an Instagram husband holding a light, a camera, and a makeup kit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm semi semi professional photographer right here. Semi professional photographer. Talking about photos, I've seen some of your pictures together on Instagram, and yeah, I, have, sure. I have to ask: Does she pick your outfits? Do you have to coordinate? No, <laughs> no. What do you think this is? I'm a grown man. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. At best, at best, she might tell me, you know, what color outfit she might be wearing. Um, and then I'll find a corresponding tie or, you know, we both wear a lot of black anyway. So we end up wearing a lot of black together. Uh Um, but in fairness, probably, uh, you know, and I can imagine what kind of pictures you're thinking about. Probably the, the, the one that kind of did the rounds the most was one where I was in a blush pink suit and she was in a, a very similarly, almost perfectly matched colored dress. And what actually happened there was I had the suit first. I got the suit and she found slash got the dress after me. So if anything, she followed my outfit on that Okay. So yeah, let 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 it be known. Let it be known. We will verify this story with Ife when she comes on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that might never happen. Okay, okay, so I think we know a little bit about Timmy Timmy now. We've got the three things covered. We know he dresses himself. He's got quite a few air miles, presumably. But now let's get to what we really wanted to talk about today. Let's get to what sure. the people tuned in for. Today is a spending money episode. We are talking about how you can splash the cash. <laughs> and um, we're talking buying engagement rings today. And yes. You are the man behind Diamonds by Dogu. That's you... right, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Diamonds by Dogu. Sure. So this is my uh, bespoke diamond jewellery brand, which started, gosh, 2016, really. Um, probably, no, 2017, we really got going. And, and it essentially was born out of creating the um, engagement ring that I gave to my wife in 2014. No, 2013, I proposed. Uh, Eiffel Tower in Paris. If you're going to do it, do it big. You know how it go. All right, man. Stop shining off, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, all of us are married. I'm working on it, okay? I wanted her to remember. I wanted her to remember. Um, And and that process of choosing the diamond, choosing the design, seeing it all brought together, um, I really enjoyed it. Thought it was an amazing process to go through and felt like not enough gentlemen get to go through that process you know there's a lot of people going to the high street or going to buy rings off the shelf which is absolutely fine and completely understandable um but i I really wanted to bring that bespoke creative process to life um and partnered with uh jewelry designers and craftsmen and now have this this small but growing business that um is catering to uh, gents who, to be perfectly honest, all of my clients have a very refined taste. You know, they want the nicest quality. They want the best uh, for their other half. Uh, and so, yeah, we try to provide that with the best possible service and then the best um, quality rings as well. Okay. So now that we know 
why specifically Timmy Timmy Dogu's here, and I keep saying your full name because Diamonds by <laughs> Dogu. It just it just can't it just got it's got a bit of a ring to it. So now we it know. Rolls. Ex- yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. You you chose the name really really well. But now we've got to get into some, some key questions that some of the listeners really want to know, really want to get the answers to, because there are going to be people who want to buy engagement rings now, soon, mm. or have recently bought them and are wondering, hmm, did I do that right? And also, this applies in general to diamond jewellery, but specifically engagement rings are probably some of the larger purchases that most sure. people are going to make. So, first question, and this comes from someone who is actually out here trying to find an engagement ring for my partner. Oh, boy. Here we go. I've been I've been looking at rings for a couple of years, and yeah, I said yes because I like to do my research early. <laughs> early. I do my financial planning early. But excellent. Why are diamonds so expensive? Mm, the, the eternal question. There's probably two reasons. Um, and the first one, similar to you know other things that are expensive like classic cars, you know the rarity and the quality of of diamonds is probably the key reason that they're so expensive. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you could easily go to Africa and just dig up some ground and, and you'd find some diamonds in the, in the rough, in, in, in the, in the um, earth there. Mm. And <laughs> A, probably not. Um, diamond mining is a very expensive and labor-intensive process now. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you could dig up tons and tons of earth and only find a few high-quality stones that would actually make it to the retail space, which is where we purchase diamonds for rings and jewelry and other things as well. So, so it is that, that principle of rarity um, and also the high quality of diamond that we want to use. You know, there are a lot of pieces of diamond, if you like, that are not of the quality that would make it into an engagement ring. Um, so but finding those real beautiful diamonds is, is so great that it creates that price point so just to be clear because a lot of people are are diamonds it's all fake the way they do the pricing it doesn't make any sure you can go get a diamond tip drill bit why is it that when it's on a ring it costs so much more what you're saying is that diamonds as a thing generally aren't rare but high quality diamonds are what's harder to come by is that what we're saying eggs yeah absolutely and and you know there there were or have been stories and rumors of, of, of diamond mines like De Beers stockpiling stones to keep the price high and things like that. I believe that that, that practice has been brought to an end. But, um, but yeah, in the main, it's, it's really that it takes a lot to find high quality diamonds in the first place. And then to actually make them into the finished stones that go into a ring is another process. Again, you have diamond cutters. Um, some of that is done by, by machinery and laser cutting now. Um, but but traditionally, it would be a guy looking at a rough piece of stone, figuring out how many stones, smaller stones he could get from that big rough diamond, and then also having to figure out where he needed to cut to keep the best features. So, you know, wanting to keep the best clarity, wanting to keep the best f- polish and finish. Um, it, it's a real painstaking process. And think how small diamonds are, you know, going through that process with mm. such precision um, it, it really is a, a high expertise um, process that, that, that creates the price point. You know, it's interesting. As you were saying, I was just thinking, is this what it's like yeah, for, 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 certain, for certain ladies, certain guys out there finding someone who will either give them a ring or is worth giving a ring to? So there's lots of men you know? and women out there. Then you've got to find I mean, one that's high quality. 
And then you've exactly. got to shave off all the edges, but still maintain some of the things you like. <laughs> and then you go and find the ring for that person. I'm not going to lie. I have on multiple <laughs> occasions considered setting up a matchmaking business because, yeah, the demand is there. The supply is there. We just need to bring the two together. It's a good little pipeline for your business. You match the couples and then you say, oh, by the way, we do rings there as well. There you go. There you go. Then we start the wedding planning business as well. You're doing too much now. I think I think I think we should just stay, I think we should just stay where we are. Okay, so we figured out diamonds, good quality diamonds, the type that you want to buy and give to someone you care about are expensive for a good reason. But then yes. some of those characteristics you mentioned, things like uh, you already mentioned the cut. Um what things should we be looking at for diamonds? Because we always hear the four C's. So that's carrot, cut, color, and clarity, right? But what does that really Ooh, mean? What does that? He's got it. He's got it. He's done his. <laughs> he's definitely done. His I did research. my googles. I did my googles. There you go. Um, but what does that actually mean in layman's terms? So if we start with with the first C that's most prominent, which is carrot, what does that actually sure. mean? So carrot, traditionally, people think that that's the size of the stone. But carrot is not a, a, a unit of, of measurement in terms of, you know, millimeters or centimeters. It's actually a measure of weight. Okay. Um, and so the carrot is how heavy the stone is in carrots, um, which is, I forget the precise amount, but it's, you know, it is less than the weight of a gram. So it's a, like one hundredth or one thousandth of a gram is a carrot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what happens there is... You might actually have two stones side by side, um, maybe two round stones, one that is two carrots and one that's a little bit less, maybe 1.8 carrots. Uh, But actually the 1.8 carat stone looks bigger Mm. just because of the way it's cut. So it might be cut more shallow underneath, but then have a bigger width on the top, which is what we call the spread. So depending which stone you find and how it's being cut, the carrots ordinarily should tell you how big a stone is but it won't necessarily tell you how visually or uh, physically big it is when you, until you actually look at it. Um, but then you also have the symbolism of the weights as well. So, you know, hitting one carrot or two carrots is, is you know, a, an important milestone for a lot of my customers. You know, they want that, that uh, knowledge that they have gone the extra mile to get one carrot, to get two carrots, to get 1.5 carrots, whatever it might be. Um, and, and being able to say that, oh, yeah, how big's your ring? Oh, he got me two carrots, babe. <laughs> that, that is what all women dream of when it comes to, to the engagement ring. Okay. Okay. So we, I, think we've, I think we've covered carrot quite well. And you put a lot of sure. pressure on certain purchases <laughs> for that moment. If you can't... Wait, just, just, to, just to be completely open, we cater to all shapes and sizes <laughs> for our clients. Uh, we produce probably most of our rings are actually at or under one carat in size. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, don't feel pressure that it has to be at one carat. But, um, but you know, most rings that you would see out and about in the UK are actually under one carat. Yeah, for sure. Um, since I've been doing my um, my research and my window shopping, I've realised yeah. that a lot of people's rings they're looking at half carats. Maybe most of them are about oh, half sure. carats. And to put yeah. it in perspective, what a half carat is roughly. I don't know. Um, Are you thinking measurements? Yeah, I, I'm looking at my keyboard on my laptop, and I think it's probably about this, the size of an O on a keyboard, or like a regular character on a keyboard, roughly about that big. A half carat. Yeah, half carat. A half carat. Yeah, maybe even smaller than that. Maybe even smaller. Yeah. 
So yeah, because I'm looking at my finger, and and a half carat would probably be, depending on the width of your finger, would probably be just the center third of your finger width would be about a half carat. Okay, so unless you got big ass fingers, that's a depending on that's a good measure. <laughs> that's a good measure. Okay, and and yeah, and for me, that's actually a, a more relevant um, question to look at. You know, what is your other half's finger like? Mm. What does she have? Long fingers? Does she have slender fingers? You know, I have clients and I'm very happy to hear it when they come in and they say, you know, my, my, my other half has very small hands. She has quite petite hands. I wouldn't, I want to get something impressive, but I don't want it to, you know, be too big for her hand. Mm. And that's a really interesting point. Um, because if you, you know, unless you know that your other half wants the rock that makes her, makes it impossible for her to put her hand in her handbag, yeah, then is worth taking into account what will actually look proportional, what will look best on her finger, especially considering it's something that she's going to wear every day, day in, day out to work, depending what kind of job she has. So yeah, for a lot of people, it actually makes sense to purchase a, a stone that is under a carat, even one point, uh, 0.5 carats, because it will actually work in proportion to your other half's hand. As and well. that's, a, that's actually a good point to make because I've... I've worked with women in the past, worked to worked with colleagues in general, because colleagues in the past have been gay men who've had engagement rings, etc. And they find that sometimes because of the size of the diamond, it actually catches on their yeah. clothes quite a lot. Exactly. And actually it's ruined some of their best outfits. So th- that is something yeah. to bear in mind. Can catch on clothes. Also, the, the, the ring is more likely to get damaged in general wear and tear if it's, you know, being bashed around or if it is catching or hitting on things. Mm. Um, so yeah, my wife is, has been trained to be extremely careful with her hands. Um, but, but, but yeah, you know, it, it, it shouldn't have to be a status thing to get the biggest stone possible, um, when actually in practical life and, and, you know, in, in terms of living, there is no difference in your love from having a smaller stone. So you heard it here first. Size does matter, but not as much as you might think. There are there, there are go. other C's to consider. And Absolutely. The next one is cut. Tell us about the cut, Timmy. So cut is an interesting one. It, it kind of means two things. Um, some people take cut to mean the shape of the stone. Mm-hmm. So when you think about a round brilliant or an emerald shape or a cushion cut or uh, a pear shape, okay. that's well, what narrow people that often refer to as you cut. Said, you said a round brilliant. Sure. So round, I assume that looks more circle, more circular. Yes, so round brilliant is perfectly circular, um, or maybe just off perfect, but it will be a circular stone. A non-circular stone, you do have oval shapes as well. Uh, Cushion cuts are typically either square or rectangular, um, but then they have uh, quite a lot of facets to them, so they're cut in a way that there's a lot of angles on the stone, and that contrasts with a princess cut. So princess cut is maybe probably the two most memorable cuts so your round brilliant and your princess the princess is square so that has 90 degree angles at each so point. which one has disney been showing us for our entire lives um which film okay cinderella because that's the one where that stands out i think that one is actually a cushion cut yeah off the top of my head that's a cushion do you, do you remember um, i'm actually going to look this up while we're talking do you remember those those ring sweets that you used to get so it was, it was like yes. a ring, but it had like a lollipop. Yeah, the big, yeah, 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 like really big. Yeah, size, that's like sure. a cushion cut, right? Because it's got the 
That's okay, so this is perspective. Because we're trying to make this actually make sense. Because sometimes you look at diamonds like, why is that a different shape to another shape? Well, at least sure. Okay, and the pear shaped one is a kind of. It's just kind of it's pointed at the top and round at the bottom, like a teardrop. Pointed at the top, round at the bottom. That's that's the shape that um, Davido had for his engagement yeah. ring. Um, a bit like a teardrop, exactly. Really nice shape. Uh, again, a good shape depending on the the size and and proportions of of your other half's mm -hmm. hands. If she has quite long fingers, a pear shape could be nice because it, it it can cover quite a lot of surface mm -hmm. area on the on the finger. Um, so yeah, pear shape has been quite popular the last couple of years. Okay. And then, as we mentioned, you also have your ovals and emeralds, which are quite rectangular. Emeralds an interesting one because it, it there, and we'll come on to the other seeds, but emeralds you can see directly through the stone because it's cut very mm -hmm. flat. Um, so there, you need to keep the quality of the other seed characteristics, which we'll mention, as high as possible. Um, because otherwise you'll see where someone hasn't got a high quality stone. Okay. That's what people often refer to when it comes to cut. In the trade, we talk about cut more as the symmetry and polish of the ring. So that's really the finish. Um, and, and when I was referring earlier to how diamonds are cut from the rough um, to, to create the, the finished product, this is where the cut actually comes mm. into it. It's all about you know how the, how the um, diamond worker has made all of the different facets, the sides of the stone, as smooth and consistent as possible, how he's identified the best possible angles in the different shapes of the stone so that you then get maximum reflection and refraction of light, uh, which is where you see the sparkle in a diamond. That's all coming back to how it's cut in the first place. Uh, and so the polish and the symmetry uh, are really important factors in terms of the cut. Okay, polish symmetry but this is where it becomes a measure of craftsmanship and talent and attention to detail from the people making a ring right yes absolutely and 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 those aspects are, are really hard to see you know with the naked eye but you know as you shop around and see more stones if i sat next to each other a ring that has excellent polish and excellent symmetry next to a ring uh, stones rather that just has good polish and good symmetry you would see the difference in the sparkle, mm -hmm. you would see the difference in how much light comes through the stone, um, and that's where you might start to, to, to notice how important the cut okay. is. Okay, okay. So that's carrot, cut, and we're on to color next. Talk about color. Sure, so color is how white the stone looks. So that's if you put it on a, a plain white surface, do you see that consistent white color coming through the stone? Essentially, the, almost like the transparency yeah. of the stone. And that starts at a D color at the top end. Um, and the reason it actually starts at D, uh, historically, people used to grade color AAA or AB and different things. And, and to avoid confusion, when we started using a standardized grading system, uh, D was chosen as the highest point on the color scale so that all the previous grading could just be put to okay. one side. A, a, a truly top end ring will be a D color and then you'll you'll have other stone uh, other stone colors that go down to E F G H and commercially I probably recommend my clients buy around uh, no less than an I or a J mm -hmm. color uh, because there you'll actually start to see a little bit of yellow okay. in the stone um, and that's where the difference is so it goes from whitest at the D end down to more yellow in the stone and it actually goes down to Z 
Uh, but that would that would be a very yellow stone. And there's nothing wrong with buying a yellow diamond. You just don't want to buy one on if you don't intend to buy a yellow diamond. <laughs> exactly. So so there's actually two classifications there. You have uh, pure diamonds, which are graded on D to, mm -hmm. to Z, but then you actually also have yellow diamonds, which are graded differently. Okay. So there you'd be talking about fancy yellow or a vivid fancy yellow and or an intense fancy okay. yellow. And, and those are a different category of diamond. Um, so you want to make sure that you're seeing the right kind of stone. So if you are looking for a yellow diamond, specifically say that you want a yellow mm -hmm. diamond and you'll be shown a different selection of stones. Cool. Okay, so that's covered color. It's essentially the transparency of the ring, uh, sorry, of the diamond. So how, how clearly you can see through it when it's up against the white background. So that's carrot yep. color. And now we're on to clarity. What does clarity actually mean? Especially considering we just spoke about color. How can we have, and that's transparency, sure. the transparency. How can we have a different one for the same thing almost? Yeah, so clarity is about what you can see inside the stone. So, so when diamonds are formed under pressure, uh, the carbon atoms arrange themselves and, and it becomes such a hard substance. Sometimes you might get little inclusions within the stone as it's forming. So you might see, you know, what looks like a little air bubble mm -hmm. or maybe a scratch within the stone mm -hmm. um, or, you know, in the process of creating the finished diamond, there might be a, a mark or a scratch on the surface of the diamond even. And those are all called inclusions. And, and the degree to which a stone has or you can see inclusions in a stone is the clarity okay so here again it's graded um and typically my clients will will look at an s1 or s2 so a slightly included mm -hmm. stone um all the way up to a vvs1 which is very very slightly included where you won't see any inclusions with the naked eye um and that then goes beyond that level up to um flawless so fl at the top okay. end so typically, commercially, we're, we're usually working with stones somewhere between um, uh, VVS1 down to SI2, uh, because that's where, you know, the stone is going to be in, in very good nick, very good quality, um, not quite perfect in terms of the inclusions, mm -hmm. but typically, especially when just looking at the stone on your hand or in a piece of jewelry, you won't see those inclusions within it. Okay, so this is where this is where rappers are sort of ruining diamond jewelry. So where they talk, where they're <laughs> is talking about them VVSs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, VVSs. This, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about clarity, and that's basically Absolutely. it's a measure of how perfect the diamond is on the inside and outside, right? And I know they're made in completely different ways, for example, but like sure. marbles. So. If we're looking okay. at marbles, sometimes you can see the little air pockets and little spots and stuff on the inside. Yeah, a bit like so that. that's kind of what clarity is a measure of. Whereas the diamonds, the higher quality they are, they have less and less of that or none of it at all. Is that what we're saying? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, a commercially, inverted commas, perfect um, stone would be maybe a D mm -hmm. color and then a flawless clarity. Um, so that's where to the naked eye there, well, even under microscope, there is no imperfection. Okay. Okay. So that's where the, 
and that that would be graded DFL. Okay, and that's where the big bag usually comes out. That's where the serious bag comes out. So I did have one client who came to me and said, you know, I want a DFL stone. Mm -hmm. And it was hard to find, but not actually as hard as you might think, especially depending on the on the carrot weight. Um, but but you know, that's how I like to get my clients to be thinking, you know, what is most important to you? Do you want the stone to be as big and heavy and as high carrots weight mm -hmm. as possible? Or do you want it to look as close to perfect as possible? Do you want it to be a very nice white D color, D E F color, or do you want it to have very high clarity, maybe VVS one, VVS two clarity. Um, and, and it then becomes a balancing act because essentially as you increase either the carrots or you increase the, the color or increase the clarity of the stone, it becomes more expensive. Uh, and so finding the balance, finding the, the perfect point of uh, equilibrium for all of those different features uh, is really important as a client. Uh, to ensure that you know what's the priority and what you would be willing to compromise on. So some people are willing to, you know, have a lower color and a lower clarity because they want maximum carrot. Yeah. So they want it to be as big as possible, where others would actually rather that the stone is smaller, but as close to perfection as it could be. Okay. And it's interesting that you say that because listening to you go through that process, one of the things that you didn't really talk about was cut. And in my research, since I've sure. been going around, since I've been looking at this, once you start going to people, to proper diamond jewelers, I'm not necessarily, I'm not going to name any stores because they have, they haven't paid me enough to mention it. But, okay. <laughs> and also, because I don't want to slander it. Just mention diamonds I, I, by And you haven't paid me a penny, so I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the point is, is that you get to certain shops and they don't even talk about cut because the cut is, yeah. they only deal in the very highest end cuts. So sure, exactly, would you say yeah. that's the one that's never to be compromised and the rest is about more your flexibility financially, but also what your partner's looking for? Yeah, cut is, um, you know, cut is an interesting one because typically I wouldn't even show a client a stone with a bad cut because that stone probably wouldn't have even made it into the workshop or into the showroom. Um, so, so typically, uh, stones that my clients will see will always be at least maybe very good. At worst, they would have a good cut, but you know, ideally they would have excellent. So it goes, it goes good, very good, mm -hmm. excellent. Ideally, they would have an excellent cut um, on both polish and symmetry. Um, but, but if someone was willing to compromise a little bit on cut, that has a bit of impact. But when thinking about the the cost of a of a stone. To be honest, the biggest impact is in the carrots, the color, and the clarity. And so that tends to end up being what gets discussed mm -hmm. the most because the cut is always pretty high, but there's not a huge amount of variation in the cut. Whereas on color, clarity, and carrots, you can really play with uh, what you're looking at and, and you have a lot more flexibility on those. And just to kind of put a bow on that, I guess, because cut is actually the only thing that is if we're talking about natural diamonds, like mined out of the earth diamonds, that's the only thing that a human can impact. The rest of it is whatever you pulled out the ground. So the price only reflects how rare it is to find a diamond with enough carrot, enough weight to make that kind of diamond, naturally occurring colors yeah. and naturally low amounts of, of inclusions. So... Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a really interesting point. You know, the carrots are also determined by, by the human um, diamond cutter. 
but um but yeah between apart from carrots and cut the, you know the cut is really about the craftsmanship and so as long as the diamond's being cut by a good craftsman mm-hmm. then you should still have a, a high quality cut and then yes you're right you know where the stone was found what what process it went through how it looked coming out of the ground is very much going to determine the clarity and color already you do also have what we call treated stones and so these are stones that that have been um manipulated by man to have a higher color a uh, higher clarity or a higher mm-hmm. color so essentially there are ways that you can increase the color um or you can increase the clarity of a stone by by trying to fix some of the inclusions um but but you would get that you would be notified of that when discussing that stone so it would be on the certification that it was a treated okay. stone okay and is that what they call bleach diamonds and stuff like that or exactly so a bleach diamond or heat treated or um a uh, uh, color corrected yeah different terms but but that's where uh, a manipulation has been done to increase the color or increase the clarity of the diamond okay so we've covered the four c's we know all about the checklist that we should be looking for we're trying to find out which of the criteria makes the most sense for the person we're buying the ring for or whether it's a piece of another form of jewelry whether that's earrings or a bracelet or something to that effect now the next question is should i go custom or off the shelf i'm sure there's benefits to both for sure now, funny enough, um, this is one of the spaces where going custom, going bespoke, if anything, it's one of the few times you can actually get better value for mm-hmm. money compared to buying off the shelf. So if you think about anything else, you know, suits or cars, you'll end up often spending more going bespoke if you're getting your suit tailored or if you're you know, getting your car brand new completely to your specifications with the package and the extras and all of that stuff, compared to if you came to, especially somewhere like Hatton Garden, and went for a bespoke ring. Reason being, diamonds are very consistently priced. So at, you know, at vendor level, when, when we as a, as, a, as a diamond or jewelry manufacturer, manufacturer are purchasing diamonds to use in our jewelry, we get the same market rate as everyone else. So we get the same market rate as De Beers, as Tiffany's, as, as the other jeweler down the road in Hatton Garden. What then happens is people decide the price of the finished ring based on multiple other factors. So those factors will then be based on, you know, is it platinum or white gold? Uh, does the client want more shoulder stones or a halo on the ring? Uh, but probably the biggest driver of pricing then becomes the marketing and the overheads of the business from which you're mm-hmm. buying the ring. And that's where off the shelf sometimes actually becomes more expensive than bespoke. Because if you think about somewhere like Tiffany's or even a H. Samuel or a, or a Goldsmith's, you know, they have prime retail space on high streets, which are the mm-hmm. most expensive. They have a certain number of uh, retail staff who, you know, whether they're selling stones or not, are going to be um, paid their salaries. And then maybe they have commission on top, but they will always have those base salaries to be paid. Uh, they have the overheads of, well, essentially they have much more overheads of then, you know, often big, large scale marketing campaigns like billboards mm-hmm. and TV adverts, especially at particular times of year. So all of those things actually end up 
going into the cost of your finished ring, where a bespoke jeweler like myself, because my marketing is more word of mouth and, and social media and, and you know not using big high cost channels, because my team get paid according to you know a particular setup that is different to the retail space, uh, my bespoke work will actually often come in at a lower finished cost to you, mm-hmm. the consumer, than if you bought something off the shelf that's already been done, but from a company that has so many other overheads and much higher overheads than the bespoke jeweler. Huh. So bespoke, custom, cheaper than buying off the shelf for an equivalent thing. So like you may not have... Absolutely. Especially from particular brands and at particular prices. So over, I would particularly say from one carat and above or even from, you know, 0.6, 0.7 carats to one carat and definitely anything above that, um, you would get better value for money going for a bespoke custom option compared to getting that size of ring uh, on the from a off the shelf or on the high street, I I literally have clients who have saved at least fifty percent um, when they you know came to me and said this is the design that I like, this is the size and quality that I'm after, and you know at the end of the process we may have then compared what they spent with me to to what they would have had to spend elsewhere, and and yeah they've made very considerable savings. Okay, so you heard it here first. Custom is cheaper for once than going straight off the shelf. Better value, better for, value money. for money, not always, not always cheaper. cheaper. <laughs> See, this is, this is where it's hard to know what you mean. Because I guess... I guess um, <laughs> if you, so say we had the exact same diamond ring in a bespoke place and one that was on the high street somewhere that had been made ages ago. You're saying all, all other things being equal, the one at the bespoke place would be cheaper than the one at the high street store. It would cost you less, yeah. Cool. And it would be more special because it's been made uniquely for your other half. You know, it hasn't been sat in stock for for God knows how long. It it has been built from scratch to your exact specifications. No one else has tried it on. The ring didn't exist before you you gave me the brief and, and we got to work on it. Um, you know, it just has so much more about it compared to um, compared to just purchasing from okay. the store. Now that we've covered that, something else I've been hearing a lot about. I've been doing a lot of shopping around. I haven't put, I haven't I haven't spent any money yet, but I've been looking at lab diamonds and natural diamonds. And uh, first mm. off, can you explain what the difference is between a natural diamond and a lab diamond, and which one is better? Because I found lab diamonds to be so much cheaper. Than natural diamonds. Sure. So natural diamonds are stones that have come from the ground. So these have been dug up. They were formed under the surface of the earth, you know, thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of years ago, um, and they've been dug up in their locations across the world, um, and then cut down from a rough into the finished product that, that you see and select and put into your ring. <clears throat> a lab diamond is essentially a manufactured diamond but with the exact same properties as a natural diamond because what scientists found somewhere maybe around the 1960s i think it was we started to see that essentially diamonds are made of carbon 
uh, uh, but it's carbon that's arranged in a very specific formation, uh, which is what makes diamonds so hard as a, as a material. And so scientists figured out that if you could simply recreate that chemical composition, if you could recreate that uh, formation of carbon atoms, you could make diamonds. And so they started doing this and they use it for, for diamond drill bits and, and other materials. Uh, but the practice of creating uh, lab grown commercial diamonds is just now getting into its kind of prime because you know the process has become easier and quicker and, and less expensive. Uh, but you could essentially over the course of, I don't know, maybe a week in, in the laboratory, you could grow uh, a diamond that is D-color, VVS1 or internally flawless in terms of quality. Uh, you can make it one carat, two carats. You could decide exactly what specifications you want for that diamond stone. And to the naked, well, not even the naked eye, even under close microscopic inspection, it will look exactly the same as a natural diamond, probably even more perfect because it hasn't been cut mm. by hand. Um, but what has been really interesting, you know, we've been talking about marketing a little bit through this conversation. De Beers and other, you know, big time diamond miners and, and jewelry brands have wanted to distance the natural diamond market from the lab grown mm -hmm. diamond market uh, because it essentially affects their uh, pocket. You know, if, if everyone started going for lab grown diamonds, then the demand for naturally occurring diamonds would go down. And so they've really positioned lab grown diamonds as uh, in the frankest terms as a lower cost uh not true representation alternative to natural diamonds which i mm. think is a shame because you know especially the world we live in now lab-grown diamonds are, are far more environmentally friendly they don't have anywhere near as much of a carbon footprint in terms of being dug up and transported and cut and then transported again um as compared to natural diamonds but it would, you know, completely kill off the demand for diamond mining if we just went for lab-grown diamonds. And so what you actually have now is probably two things have happened. First of all, when they are certified, lab-grown diamonds, they are certified for the carrot, the cut, the color, the clarity, just as normal diamonds are. But their certificate will actually say, depending which certifier it is, it might say artificial it might say ah. lab grown. Um, and these words carry a, still carry a little yeah. bit of stigma. So, you know, if someone is receiving a certificate that says that their diamond is artificial or that their diamond is lab grown, it's not going to retain or continue to have the same value as a natural diamond. So that's one of the big things that, that has affected the, the difference yeah, so in price. The second thing is that companies like De Beers have, you know, almost manipulated the market. De Beers actually have a range of lab diamond rings, but they have then priced those rings lower than their regular um, mm. offering so that it then becomes uncompetitive to try and price your lab diamond rings at the same price as a natural diamond. Because someone would say, well, why would I buy from you when I can go to De Beers and get a lab diamond for less? Um, and so they really have created this this dual mm. market where lab diamonds are seen in some ways a little bit like diamond alternatives like moissanite uh, or cubic zirconia. Um, 
which is which in a lot of ways is not it's fair exactly because the same it, thing. It chemically and it's visually exactly it's the same, same thing it will last just as long visually it's the same thing probably even more perfect because it hasn't been you know man-made in any way uh well not man-made in terms of the yeah. cutting and, and the finish and things like that um and it has been designed and created to the exact specific specifications of perhaps being a d color uh flawless uh with you know perfect shape and uh, perfect symmetry and polish so you, you, you and what that then means is that you as a consumer can get a perfectly good diamond with perfectly good um characteristics but mm. at a lower price if you go for a and just to clarify you mentioned the beers quite a number of times in this conversation for people who've never heard sure. of the beers the beers are the largest diamond miner and retailer in the world is that correct yes if you if you put their 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 um businesses together they they dominate the the diamond okay, market yes. cool so to tie up and if and just to add to them they probably are the originator of the demand for the engagement ring the diamond engagement ring that we know and, and you know is basically the the centerpiece of my they were the business ones now behind, that was popularized they were the ones behind diamond they first said right? uh they were diamonds of oh. forever um and and what the idea there was that you know if you're wanting to show that your love is eternal if you're wanting to show that you know this person really means something special to you you should show them by proposing with a diamond engagement ring and that only really became popular culture in the early 20th century um first in the US and then they started to market that idea across the world um but but yeah it was massively the beers that essentially created the market for diamond yeah, because before that diamonds weren't they were around but no one really saw them as anything more special than like a sapphire or a ruby exactly i'm 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 currently reading the the history of the cartier family and and you know they they started out as jewelers in the gosh in the eight, no early mm -hmm. 18th century uh, and they were not using diamonds much at all in their jewelry until maybe just as we came into the 1900s around the time of the mm. first world war uh, that's when diamonds started to be used in jewelry increasingly because they were so sparkly and reflective and, and shiny but up to that point it was actually pearls that were more valuable as a as an item but then they jewelry. started learning how to diamonds. mass produce pearls and that because yeah we won't yeah, exactly. get into it but there's exactly. a whole thing and if you're in, we'll go into huge tangent google saudi arabia middle east and pearls and then Ooh, I, I know ooh. a little something, something. I know a little something. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but you're absolutely right. And so, in some ways, where we're talking about natural versus lab-grown, De Beers and others are now trying to preempt and prevent what happened mm -hmm. with pearls in terms of the the mass commoditization mm -hmm. of pearls uh, by really creating this distinction yeah. that you know, yes, you can create lab-grown diamonds, but they are okay. not the same. That's how they are saying it. So, anyway. so kind of just tie that up, though. For the end consumer, someone who doesn't care what the beers is saying and wants to get themselves a great value diamond for their partner or even for themselves. So if there's any rappers listening to this, you can save yourself a lot of money get, <laughs> again, your bust sure. down with lab diamonds because I've seen them at near enough half the price in a lot of cases or at least 30% cheaper for an equivalent. Yeah. What you, can, what you can get is a high quality diamond for less than you would pay if you went and got one that was dug out of the ground, which has the environmental impact, the human impact, because a lot of these places aren't fully ethically sourced. 
Um, and save yourself some money and still have the same effect you always wanted. Yeah. So, you know, I've had a few clients who have gone for the lab um, diamond option. Funnily enough, they actually went for it more for environmental mm -hmm. reasons than, than cost saving. Because I think because it is still such a significant purchase, people are often feeling like, you know what, I'm just going to spend yeah. for inverted commas, the yeah. real thing. But you, 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 you absolutely get value. Uh, and the same product from uh, a and that's done. and again, no one's saying you have to spend less money, right? If your budget is say a thousand pounds, you yeah, could still exactly. spend the same thousand but get a lot more diamond or more diamonds on the same ring. More diamond, more quality, more clarity, okay. everything. So we've gone through quite a lot. We went, we broke down the four C's. We talked about custom versus off the shelf. We spoke about natural diamonds versus lab diamonds. And now I think it's time for a quick tip. So, Timmy, being the expert that you are in this space, what would you say is a good tip for everyone listening to this when it comes to shopping for diamonds, but also shopping for engagement rings specifically? Just one tip well, let's, or what let's start you with, say? Let's do the quick tip first, just a quick little... Okay. Yeah, quick tip, I would say shop around. Um, you know especially places like Hatton Garden, which are known as the hubs of uh, the diamond industry or the jewelry quarter in Birmingham, uh, you are going to be able to shop around very many different retailers. And what you'll notice is going from one to a second to a third to a fourth is that everyone speaks the same language, but in a different way. And you'll, you'll find very quickly that if you just went to one place and, and, you might want to go to one place. You know, a lot of my clients come to me because they've been recommended by someone else and, and they trust that I'm going to give them a fair and balanced opinion. But if you go just to one place, you might not get the full uh, cut of the grain, if you like. You might not hear exactly what is best for you, but more what is suited to the person behind the counter. And that's the same for going to a retail store or for buying anything else as well. You know, when I buy a car, I go to three different manufacturers and I'll play them off each other and I'll try and understand who's, who's really looking out for my best interest. And I would say definitely do the same with diamonds uh, because you will then have a clear understanding of who is really taking care of you as a okay. customer. So we're coming towards the end of the show. We've had our quick tip. We've broken down the four C's. We know all about diamonds by Dorgu. We are yet to hear the David O story, but maybe that's for another day. Um, but, Everyone listening to this, just in case they're not sure what to do next or they're considering a purchase, what are the three things everyone can do right now to get clued up about buying diamonds? Sure. So first, I would probably say to start by doing mm -hmm. research online. Um, you know, Google is your best friend. You know, you can find out so much information. Uh, it's worth going to what you might describe as reputable sources. Uh, funny enough, especially if you're a gent, a lot of uh, men's websites like uh, GQ or other places often have uh, guides for buying diamonds or buying engagement rings because they know so much of their readership goes through that process at some mm -hmm. point in their life. Um, so, so use the resources you find online to get a basic understanding of the four C's as we've discussed and also where might be best for you to start your, your shopping search. I would also say to speak to people who have been through the process before, 
you know, a lot of my business comes from word of mouth recommendations because once, you know, someone has been through the process, they understand the pitfalls, they understand what you should look out for. Even if you're looking for completely different things in terms of the diamond or the finished ring, it's just getting advice from someone who has been there. Uh, they'll either be able to, to, you know, send you somewhere that mm -hmm. they might recommend or just make sure that you don't make any mistakes that they might have made or that they might have been aware of. Yeah. And thirdly, uh, I would say the most important thing is probably actually to try and find a way to make sure you know what your other half wants. Uh, there's nothing more difficult, and I have experienced this firsthand, nothing more difficult than proposing with a ring that you've either created or that you've bought and you think is the absolute one uh, and then you find out either, wow, if she's very brave, you would find out straight away. <laughs> but maybe you find, maybe you find out a few days later or sometime down the line that actually that wasn't the ring that she wanted or that wasn't the style that she wanted. So I would say, you know, you can absolutely maintain the secret and maintain the surprise by maybe asking a friend or, or mm -hmm. a family member, a sister, or, or even her mother if they know what style of ring, what shape of stone uh, your other half would like the most. Because I can almost guarantee you, if your lady is thinking you might get married, she is having the conversation about what ring she sure. would like with For somebody. Sure. If it's not you, she's definitely having it with somebody. So doing that, that bit of digging um, in as secret a way as possible if needed uh, is definitely helpful. Or if you're brave, just come out and ask her, yo, babes, what are you having? What do you want? What shape? What size? Well, and well that's kind of what I did. Um, I was racking my sure. brains trying to figure out what to get her. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy who she says yes to me, but no mm. to the ring. That, it, it may as well be no to yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> that, it, it would me we don't want that, that would mess with my emotions so badly. So yeah. I've kind of played the long game. So we've i told you it's been a bit of a process me looking at rings etc etc but i had her trying on rings mm. from two or three years ago just to kind of see wow. okay, so i know your ring size that one time we tried on that ring there that's when i paid attention to your ring size that one time i said sure. i sent you this random picture of i don't know sierra's wedding ring like oh that's a that would look great on you when you turn around and tell me that is the ugliest ring you've ever seen all right cool we're not getting that savage one. But then these, there's little yeah. ways you can sort of tease out, get a bit of a, a feel for it without going all the way Absolutely. and getting something. Even if you get it off the shelf, because a lot of those places where you go and buy it on the high street, they don't really do refunds like that. So yeah, <laughs> at exactly. least if you get it done... Yeah, exactly. It's difficult. Some some give you a window, but but yeah, absolutely right. You want to get it right. You know, I just went for the sneaky way. I, I knew there was a particular friend she was probably talking mm. to about it. I snuck into her phone one day, found their WhatsApp conversation, looked through the pictures, found where they had been talking about diamonds, and there you go. I had the design wow. ready to go, and I hadn't even needed wow. to talk to anyone. Different level of sneaky James Bond approach, but, yeah. you know. But that was also before you needed face must. ID to open that phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a different time. Sure. It was definitely sure. a different but time. Also, you mentioned something that I wanted to make a comment on before we close out the show. Where you're actually doing your research and going from different stores, it usually makes a lot of sense. And correct me if I'm wrong with this, Timmy, for you to actually go to areas like in London, you're in Hatton Garden, 
But wherever you are in the world, there's going to be a collection of stores or an area known for selling diamonds where every, where some of the best of the best are. Because the last... Yes. If you're in that, if you're in that kind of environment, yes, absolutely. you're surrounded by experts, the last thing you want to do is end up buying your loaf of bread from a butcher rather than a baker. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they can both use a knife, but it's not. It's not the same sort of thing, right? You're 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 very right. You know, and and it happens. It happens at all levels of the market as well. You know, Hatton Garden is the most common area, the best known area in London. Uh, the Jewelry Quarter, I think I mentioned, is the area mm-hmm. in Birmingham. Uh, I don't know other areas around the world, but but then even within London, if you go to you know certain parts of Mayfair. Or if you go even within Westfield Shopping Center in um, Shepherd's Bush, all of the premium jewelry designers are in one little pocket of the, I think it's called the village, in one little pocket of the shopping center, all side by side. And then you have H. Samuel and Goldsmiths and the others are at another part of the shopping center all together, side by side. So if you can find those areas, find those pockets in in your local geography, uh, you'll definitely get. Uh, the ability or you'll have the chance and the ability to bounce them off okay so timmy mr timmy dogu mr diamonds by dogu thank you so much for oh it's been a pleasure but there's been a lot of information here there's been a lot of value and i i can feel it i feel like people are asking if i wanted to get an engagement ring how would i get hold of this guy what are your social media handles to me Sure. So we're on Instagram at Diamonds by Dorgu, D-O-R-G-U. So that's all one word. Uh, And from there, you'll find our website link. Um, You could also message directly and we'll be in touch. Uh, But yeah, uh, you'll also there be able to see a lot of the rings that we've already worked on and created. So you can start to shop around through that virtual shop window and see what kind of shape and style you might like. Uh, and, And Davido's ring is quite prominently there somewhere as well so you can enjoy that whilst you're okay and as usual all the links all the things we've discussed in this show today will be in the show notes um how you can reach timmy will be there also we're going to include some some insights into some downloadables for you to actually check out and see the lowdown on what we've spoken about today some of the key some of the key trends or things like the four c's are going to be included in there um, certain areas in the UK, at least, that you can go and find your diamonds at. And a couple of the other links to the websites and places you can do some research. So as always, thank you so much for listening. This is Black Millennial Money. We are here for you guys. Follow us on all the socials at BMM Global on Instagram. And you can find us at blackmillennialmoney.com. Next week, we are doing a Make Money episode. You do not want to miss this one. The Make Money episodes are always a lot of fun, especially after we had a Spend Money episode just before that. You might want to balance the books again. Don't miss it. Great having you. Like and subscribe wherever you're listening. See you next week. This is Black Millennial Money.